Hebrews chapter 11. Last week we started a study on heaven, um, being a citizen, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven at this point, and um, kind of went off into the, the whole Bible. So I'm gonna kind of pick up on some details this week. Let me turn someplace real quick. We're gonna be in Hebrews 11, but I want to read something to you out of Philippians chapter three. I know I started going through Philippians, and I'm going to get back there, but I wanted to cover this topic that came out of Philippians. Paul speaking in Philippians chapter 3, and we'll, we'll look here in a little while. Um, he says, let me find it, in verse 17, he said, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who walk, who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. You have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose belly or whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that may, it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Um, you know, if you, if you haven't listened, I do encourage you to go back and listen last week, and that will kind of bring you up to where we are uh, with today on this study of being a citizen of heaven. Uh, my desire is for heaven to become a reality uh, in our hearts and in our minds. I know we uh, sometimes we, we uh, struggle with conceiving heaven. And like I said last week, I think it's because of all the things we've seen on TV and floating in the clouds and all that junk. Uh, but heaven, we talked about last week, the Bible refers to it as a city and a country uh, where we'll dwell with the Lord if you're a born-again child of God. Heaven's not a place where good people go. When they die, there's no good people in heaven. There's no good people on earth. Jesus said there's no one good but God. And so heaven's a place where you go, those who have been born into the kingdom. It's a kingdom home. And, and a person has to be born into the king's family. Only the king's family is going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So at this point in history, what we're doing is, as God's children, we're trying to invite all who will come you know, into this family that God's provided a way through the blood of Jesus that we can be forgiven, that we can be born of his spirit. And so at this point, there's two major events left in the history of the world. One is Jesus is coming, and the other one is justice is coming. You got those two things. We talked about the purpose of the day of God's judgment upon the kingdom of darkness. You're either, you're either, you're either in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ, or you're in the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between. Uh, everything else is going to be smoked. But you look in, in Revelation <clears throat> chapter 20 at the last day of judgment, where it talks about the, the final judgment there. And it says, uh, everybody whose name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Lamb's book of life is the city registry. It's where your name is written down as a citizen of heaven. 
And if your name is not in that book, you don't enter in. There's one. I want to clarify real, real clear. There's one entrance. There's not many entrances. There's not a, a lot of ideas and feelings. People have a lot of ideas and feelings, but the Bible clearly states one entrance into the kingdom. And so my, my question would be, uh, just for just for illustration's sake, let's say that I was the, let's say I was the, I'm not an angel by no means, but if I was the angel standing in, in front of the city and you died and you were standing there and let's say that everybody in this church was in a line and I have in my hand the Lamb's Book of Life with all the names of everybody who's trusted in Jesus and been born again and I'm standing there and as they, as you come one by one, you always say, Travis, get here first. He's in the best health and died first. <laughs> All us fat folk, we'd be at the back of the line. Amen. Cheeseburgers and bacon. Travis shows up first. I just want you to imagine this. I want you to get this in your head. What if that was where you were at this point? You were standing in line. How many of you would be wondering if your name is written? You're standing in line like Travis Waka. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, your name's right here, written in the blood of Jesus. He was born again on such and such date. Child of God, welcome home. Come on in. Hillary. Hillary, what was that last name again? Hillary. <laughs> but hey, here, here's, here's the sad part. A lot of people who are sitting in church today, probably in this room, I hope not. But the chances are there's going to be some people sitting in this room, you're going to stand in line, and the Lord's going to be like, your name's not written there. People are like, wait a second, just check, check again. I, was, I went to church, I was at Cedar Creek, you know, Brother Randall, da da da, yeah. That ain't going to help you none, I'm telling you right now. But my question is, would you be, are you hoping? That your name's written. Are you wondering? If you're, not, if you're hoping and wondering, it ain't. You understand that. If you're sitting there going, man, I hope my name is there. You don't know Jesus. Because he gives us absolute assurance of our salvation. We know that our name is written there. And so if you're, if you're here today and go, I'm not sure if my name's written there. Or I know my name's not written there. If your name is not written here, then you ain't going into heaven. You're not. Doesn't matter how good you think you are, the good things that you've done here, how much you come to church, how much money you gave, what you did, where you served, how much you preached, how much you was a deacon. If your name is not written as a citizen of heaven in the registry of the Lamb's Book of Life, you're not going. You understand that? Everybody with me? One entrance. Okay. So when you look in the Bible, we're going to clarify that. We can straighten this up some more if you're like, I'm not sure. Let's let's get sure. Because if you want to know the truth. <clears throat> um, the way this world's going, we're on a time clock, people. You better look at what's going on. We're on a, a very small time clock. And so I believe there's a lot of, lot of things that's going to happen in the next you know, a few years that's going to really turn our hearts towards home when we figure out. You know, here's the thing. If, if, the, if the back end of your house is on fire and burning down, you ain't staying on the other end sorting pictures and painting walls. Some, some people are doing that. This world's burning up. It's, it's on fire, burning up. And you got church people, church people, who are so focused on the other end of the house. Like, give it just a minute, and this is going to be gone. And you're investing your life in everything is something that's falling apart. <clears throat> so when you look in the Bible, you know, Paul said that there's a pattern. Follow our example and those who follow after that pattern. You know, a pattern is something that's consistent. It's the same thing all the way through. And when you look in the Bible, one of those patterns throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New, is, is the pattern of the entrance into God's kingdom. When we're born, we're born in sin. You're not a part of God's kingdom. You're a part of the kingdom of darkness. You have to be, Jesus said, John chapter 3, you must be born again. 
You must be born again. I hope you do. It's an alternative, you know. I've actually had people, a lot of people say, I'll ask them, so, so, so are you a Christian? Yes. And I, and I encourage you, if you're talking to somebody about Jesus, ask this question, because I believe God's Spirit just does something. Like, so are you a Christian? Yeah. So would you tell me, honestly, you have been born again of God's Spirit? Mm, no, I wouldn't say that. Like, that's what's happening in the American church, where we're equating salvation with Oh, if you're talking about that process where I come down front and I pray the prayer with the preacher and I get baptized, yeah, I've done that. Have you been born again? Is God's spirit in you? And you know that. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Then you're not saved. You don't know Jesus. If it's, but the Romans chapter 8 said, if the spirit of God is not in you, you are not his. <clears throat> so when we look at a pattern, um, looking in Hebrews chapter 11, Starting in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out, or to go out, to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so, think about this, in the Old Testament... You know, the Bible refers to it several places. It talks about in the Old Testament what God was doing was a mystery. They didn't have the understanding of the gospel like we have. They didn't have the, the written word. Jesus hadn't come yet. And so what God would do is he would work in and through several people's lives. You know, you see it all the way down through where it started with Adam and Noah. And, and, and actually the, the, the list of people in Hebrews chapter 11, each one of those people are a picture of, that, that God is revealing the mystery of the gospel to the Old Testament saints and he's giving them understanding of, understanding of the entrance into heaven. Later, we look back and Paul's like, the mystery's been revealed and we understand now what God was doing. So when you look at Abraham's life and what was going on, God's revealing to the other people, all who would be looking for a city whose builder maker is God, they could look at Abraham's life and go, that's what it looks like to enter into the kingdom. Does that make sense? Listen, we ain't teaching in the nursery today. We going to some meat, all right? So y'all might want to write some stuff down. So when it says Abraham, Abraham was looking for a a heavenly country, a city whose builder and maker was God. You know, last week just showed you very clearly in Scripture, heaven is going to be a new earth. That's the country. That's God's country. The city is the new Jerusalem. So Abraham, God had revealed in a mystery to Abraham, he was looking not for Canaan. You know, Canaan, the land of Israel today, was the physical representation of God's promise. But the, all the way through there, you'll see a physical, a temporary blessing, and then you'll see the eternal or the spiritual. And so Abraham, God revealed, he was now looking for a new earth and the city of God. In that, God's going to work through him uh, to reveal a pattern for anybody after him who's looking for that same city. My question is, how many of you are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God? You don't have to answer that out loud, and I know there's a lot of us here, but honestly, in your heart, could you look in your heart and go, am I really looking for a city whose builder and maker is God? You know, when Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. That was the message. That was the message all the way through the scripture. And one of the things he said was, he said, and I'm not quoting, he said, 
do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth eats and, and thieves break in and steal and rust, you know, corrupts it away. But lay up for your treasures in heaven. He's not talking about a, a mental thought or a place in the clouds. He's talking about a physical geographical place, the city of heaven, the country of God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. Because I want to, I want to transfer heaven to earth, earth to heaven. There's a connection there. And so in that, how many of us as believers, I hope that you think about going, I realize, because here's the thing, in America, there's a lot being projected about the gospel, how it makes this life better. You can live your best life now. And you can have all this stuff. And you can experience all this success. And you can find all of this healing. Well, I know a lot of people who are born again believers, and they live for Jesus radically, who are sick. And, and from a world's point of view, it doesn't look very successful. And they have a lot of battles and a lot of struggles. But I'm telling you, they got treasure in heaven. And so understand, being born again is not being born again so you can have a better life now. Being born again comes to the place where we recognize this world is only so long and this life is not where it's at. And I need to find what God has sown into my heart. You were created, the Bible says, with eternity in your heart. There's something in every person, saved or lost, that you know there's more to life. It's got to be more to life than this. And us who know, here's the thing, God gave us a taste of heaven. For those here who are born again, God made a deposit. At the moment that you trusted Christ, he, he deposited a little taste of heaven in you through the Holy Spirit. He gave you the gifts of the Spirit. That's why the Bible said that's a down payment. That's your assurance. That's how you know. If you're here today and you go, I have the love of Jesus in my heart. I have the peace of God abiding in me. That's a taste of heaven that God gave you. That's how you are 100% assured that you have a home in glory. Your name is written in the registration. And if y'all can't get excited about that, you're probably already on the way to hell, all right? <clears throat> so here's the thing. Abraham, think about this. Abraham was called out. It says, it says that he obeyed God. He obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. Now, we, don't have to, we won't have to go there right now, but in Genesis chapter 12 and also in Acts chapter 7, the Bible says that God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. That was the name of the place he lived, Ur of the Chaldees. And he called him to go into a place that he would show him. Now, I looked up that word, Ur of the Chaldees. Get this. It's amazing how the Bible is just... After I studied this, I told my wife, I said, anybody who can read the Bible and see how intricately woven it was over 4,000 years, 40 different people, and look at how God put it together, you have to go, no way man wrote this. So Ur, the Chaldees, what was that? Actually, the word Ur in Hebrew means flame. Get this picture, some of you won't get it, but some of you will. God calls Abraham out of the fire, out of the flame of judgment. The Chaldees, or the Chaldees, that's the Babylonian. All the way through the Bible, Babylon is the throne of Satan. The Bible clearly points that out. It's the world system designed by, by the king of darkness of which God calls Abraham out of that. Also, you pull up uh, Jude 23, if you got that up there, sister. He calls him out of that. Babylon, also refers to in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, is it's the cage of every foul bird. In the Bible, a foul bird means a false religion. 
And so what you see is a kingdom of darkness full of all this false religion. The kingdom of darkness isn't just a kingdom of sinfulness. It's a kingdom of deception. It's a kingdom of which you have all these different religions. And I want to be really bold and clear right here. Okay, I'm not saying by any means that Baptists are the only ones who have the truth. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff in the Baptist that's janked up if you want to know the truth. The Bible is true. But here's what I do want to say. I believe there's people, you know, in, in, in different denomination stuff who know Jesus, who are born again. I do not agree with every denomination because the doctrines of them are false and they're, and, and they're not true. And, and this is what I'll say. I'll quote Paul. If any man or angel preach any other gospel than that what he has preached, let him be accursed. You can call it a denomination or whatever you want to, okay? And you, probably all of us, have family and friends in other, other denominations. There are some denominations that are good, other than Baptists, okay? There are some that are totally false, and they are deceptive, and they say we're saved the same way. If you will look at their doctrinal teachings, they teach a false gospel. If a person, in good intentions, believes a false gospel, you're going to end up in hell. You understand that? You understand for the Lord go, hey, I believe that, that preacher. And he's like, man, that's why, I, that's why I gave you the word. This is the rule of truth, the measurement of truth. It's not, I was a Baptist, I was a Church of Christ, I was a Pentecostal, I was a Assembly of God. Are you born again of the Spirit of God living by the word of God? That's the question. And so in that, God called Abraham out. What does it say in Jude 23? But others saved with fear. It's talking about the, what God's people do. Pulling them, what? Out of the fire. See the pattern? Hating even the garment to be defiled by the flesh. And so salvation is God starts and calls you out. That's why we preach. That's why we witness. We're, we're issuing the invitation or the call of God for people who are in the kingdom of darkness. Remember what John the Baptist preached? Same pattern. He said, I pre, or I baptize you with water, but there's one who comes after me, he's talking about Jesus, who is preferred before me, whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to unlatch. He it is who will baptize you in what? The Spirit and fire. Now, a lot of people go, yes, yeah, a fire of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. It's that you're either baptized in the Spirit of God, you're born again of the Spirit of God, or you will be baptized in the fire of God, the wrath of God. He's going to baptize in spirit. That's the opportunity you have now. There's coming a day where it's going to be the baptism of fire, of which you were hopefully called out of. So God's calling people today. Hopefully he's calling somebody here today. And notice what it says. Abraham believed God or he obeyed God and he did what? He went out. This is a picture of repentance and faith. He believed the gospel. He believed the opportunity. And he left what? He came out of earth. There's a lot of people who want to change the gospel, and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to Canaan, but I'm going to stay in Ur. I want to enjoy Ur. I want to have what Ur offers. I want to be here in the kingdom of darkness, but in the end, I want to end up in heaven. The Bible shows a pattern. Get this, people, a clear pattern. It doesn't say Abraham prayed the prayer. It doesn't say he went to a temple and did a lot of ceremonial things. It says, he believed what God spoke. He obeyed the word of God, and he left Ur. He turned to repentance, forsaking that life and embracing this life. Salvation is the forsaking of the old life, the embracing by faith of the life that's offered in Jesus. If you don't have that, I don't know what you've got. But it's not biblical. And so here, 
This is the thing. Here is your opportunity of entrance. Forsake one, embrace the other. Forsake one, repentance, embrace the other. Faith, repentance and faith, repentance and faith, all the way through Old and New Testament. You understand that? Y'all with me? Y'all really quiet. Now, here's what I want to get to you, okay? Entrance as a citizen to the kingdom of heaven has to take place spiritually before it will take place physically. We're going to have a physical body. In heaven. You're going to be a res- We'll cover that next time I preach. Resurrection of a physical glorified body like we read about in Philippians. Okay? And so in that, there's a lot of people who go, well, I'll find out when I get there. No, you know before you go. You know before you go. If you're waiting to find out, you already, I can tell you where you're going. Because you have to be born again of the Spirit entering into the kingdom as a citizen of heaven. Now, later it will be physically in a glorified body. And so entrance takes place now. Don't wait to go, well, I'm going to talk to the Lord when I get there and I'm going to explain all I had going on in my head and, and all that kind of stuff. I just want to say this too, for whatever reason, the Lord laid on my heart. If you're here and you're 85 or 70 or whatever, you know, I've been in church my whole life and I, don't, I ain't heard all this stuff, listen to me. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you've been in church your whole life doesn't mean that you know Jesus. And it would be a foolish thing for you to die and end up in hell because you're worried about what these people in this crowd think of you. <clears throat> that wasn't even the message. That's just to add, okay? I think about this pattern. Jesus also spoke of the same pattern when he, he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. For narrow is the gate and difficult or straight is the way that leads to life and there be few that find it. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there's many on that path. You know, when the Bible says few, yet we look in our lives and we go, oh yeah, everybody's saved. Everybody's saved. Please don't raise your hand, but think about it. How many funerals have you been to where the pastor stood up and go, you know, it's really sad today because we all know this person is in hell. Now, all the crowd knows that person's in hell. but They don't want to say that. We don't want to admit the truth. It's okay for a person to go, you know what? Preachers are all liars and thieves, and I wouldn't go to that church full of hypocrites and blah, 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 and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to this, and I've listened to all that stuff. I'm going to go to hell and party, and then when the person dies, a pastor, not me. Now, I'm not going to stand up and hurt people's feelings, but I ain't fixing to preach somebody into heaven. Say, if you want to be real, the, the man or the woman didn't care nothing about Jesus now. He don't care nothing about Jesus where he's at at this point. Amen. People die and go to hell. More people die and go to hell than people go to heaven. Okay, all dogs don't go there either, all right? I've had a few. I've probably helped along the way. Now, this is also a place of inheritance. Notice it says he obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. It means receiving is a picture of grace. In a grace covenant, what do you do? We receive what God has provided. And so think about this. You have a two-part inheritance. One is earthly. And the other is heavenly. The earthly inheritance that he was looking for was Canaan. God led him out into the land, which is the land of Israel today, which God promised and gave to Abraham and his descendants. That's why you better stand with Israel because there's a promised covenant that goes along with that. And those who bless you, I will bless them. And those who curse you, I will curse them. That that, That applies not only to a physical 
Israel, seed, but it applies to when, when God gave the covenant, he was talking about Jesus, his seed, the heavenly. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Either you're blessed by Jesus or you're going to be cursed. You see the pattern that goes through the scripture there? And <clears throat> So in this, when he went into the land of promises, the earthly fulfillment of that inheritance, Abraham knew where he was going. He was going in that direction where God had told him to go. It was a land of living by faith. If you're a child of God, you're living in the land of promise earthly right now. You're living by the promises of God, okay? Abraham knew that. He was living by faith, receiving the temporary promises, the blessings of God. It was a land of victory over the enemies. It was a land of a grace relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the thing. It says, but he did not know where he was going. That's talking about the heavenly country. He didn't grasp that at this point. Abraham didn't fully understand what God had going. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham out. Let's pull that up, verse 1. God called Abraham out, and he made him a promise. Notice what this promise is. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family. His family was idol worshipers. From your father's house, to a land I will show you, both physical and spiritual. Notice the blessing. I will make you a great nation. Remember, Abraham didn't have a kid. Sarah was barren. Her, her womb was dead. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. He's also talking to his son, Jesus. And, I, and you shall be a blessing. Why? Because he's going to save everybody who comes to him. I will bless those who bless you. I'm going to save those who turn to you. I will curse him who curses you. And in, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that's the Abrahamic covenant, okay? That's where, I want you to get this. I'm going to, y'all give me just a little time this morning because I got a lot. This is where faith, faith, what it's talking about here in Hebrews 11, is where heaven and earth come together. So why did God design it to where we're saved by faith? Why don't we just go do something or do this? And then, No, no. God, remember what Jesus prayed when he was teaching the disciples to pray? Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came the door to connect the spiritual and the physical. Heavenly kingdom, earthly kingdom. He's going to put them back together as sin separated them when Adam fell. Y'all understand? And so in that, <laughs> I'm going to lose some of it. You'll be all right. Catch it up and read it later, all right? Faith is where heaven and earth come together. That's why prayer is so powerful because what you're doing is you're petitioning God in heaven to do what you can't accomplish in your own earthly means. So how is a person born again? He hears the call of God. God calls. If you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit's like, he's talking to you. You know that voice inside of you. When God's like, I'm talking to you. I want to save you. He's opening up a door of opportunity. Now listen to me. That door don't stay open. You don't just wake up one morning and go, whoa, got some bad news on Fox. I'm going to pray and get saved. It don't work that way. Jesus said, except the Father which sent me, draw him. No man can come to me. So if God's spirit opens a door of entrance to you this morning and says, I want to save you today, today's the day of salvation. Because if he closes that door, you don't open it back up. You understand that? And so in that, <clears throat> faith, we cry out to God in faith through prayer. God, God, save me. Why? Because I can't save myself. There's no earthly means by which I can be right with God. So I look to heaven in faith and I trust in Jesus, pray into him. Not only that, but everything that you do by faith, what you're saying is, God, I can't accomplish this. God, I can't, I can't take care of my family. I can't beat this situation in my life. And I'm praying to you in faith that you're going to bring heaven to earth, your will on earth as it is in heaven in my life. 
whole lot, there's a whole lot of teaching with that right there, so we'll move on. Second pattern that you see is a pattern of dwelling, the dwelling in a heavenly country. You notice what he says right here, verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling what? In tents. Abraham didn't build no brick house there because he wasn't going to be there long. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise, for he waited for a city which has foundations. You would study the city, the foundations are the, are, were, were the foundations. Each apostle's name were on the 12 foundations of the heavenly city. It's the, it's the foundation of the gospel. Who's, whose builder and maker was God. So um, when they, the pattern that you see of those who, who find the heavenly country is they dwell in the land of promise. Means I'm living by faith, believing God's word. Study Abraham's life. God would speak. He would do what God said. He would come to a place. He would build an altar. It was a pattern in his life. He would worship God. There were times, this gives hope for some of us who make stupid choices, times where Abraham went down into Egypt and God didn't tell him to. He got the results of that. Hagar, the mother of all, all of the Arabic people, we're still dealing with that today. But God brought him back up. Amazing story. God brought him back up. He returned to the altar in the place of Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. God brought him back to the place where he called upon the Lord. And Abraham's life was a pattern just like you see in the New Testament of walking with God. Walking. Faith, Christianity, is not a, oh yeah, I did that. Don't worry about me, preacher, I did that. Me and God have our thing. No, you don't. Not if you're not under this pattern because the pattern of Scripture is Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. Christianity is walking with God, just like Adam did in the garden. Sin separated him, God restores it. We walk with God in the garden. If you're not walking with God, and your life is a, if your life is a pattern of walking in the world, living like the world, and coming to church, that's not Christianity. 411, probably don't know Jesus if you're not walking with him. And I'm not trying to cause y'all problems unless it's good problems, okay? So, they're living in tents. What does that mean? There was no attachment. Abraham had no attachment to the land of Canaan. It was temporary. The Bible said, we live here temporary. So, you're telling me it's wrong to have a brick house? No. I don't care what your house is made of. What I am saying is, what is your heart attached to? Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. I'm almost done, y'all. Give me a little bit. says this. Paul said, for many walk... Get this, notice how he says right there, the first time I caught that. Many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You're either one who embraces the cross of Christ or you're an enemy of it. Who's, let's, let's see what these enemies look like. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. That means that you're led by your flesh, fleshly desires. There's a lot of different hungers other than for lunch. And you just respond to it. You respond to it. And whose glory is in their shame. i got to tell you this story because it was one of the times in ministry where I almost got myself in a bind. Y'all don't know who I'm talking about and it's not even from here. But I was, in, I was talking to a man and a woman. Me and my wife was counseling a marriage. It's a good juicy story, so this will bring you back in. <coughs> we were counseling a marriage. The dude had committed infidelity. He had cheated on his wife. And she was sitting there just she was crying, broken. And he just had this smug look on his face. I'm going to be honest with you. I would like to bust him right in the mouth that day. What? Yeah. Put yourself in that situation, okay? Anyhow, and I'm not thinking about that when we're counseling y'all, okay? Unless you're acting ugly like he was. But anyhow, he's like, this woman, you know, this woman came on to him and this and that. And he was like, what was I supposed to do? 
That's what it's talking about. Whose God is your belly? Well, you know, I just had this fleshly desire. Well, how can I, you think I'm going to say no? Well, the Spirit of God's in you. Yeah, that's exactly what I, that's what I think you'd say. You'd have control of your flesh. And for people who go, hey, you just got to watch it, and you just got to hear it, and you just got to be a part of it, and you just got to live in it, God is your belly. Led by your fleshly desires, not the Spirit of the Lord, whose glory or whose bragging is in their shame. What do you brag about in life? Who set their mind on what? Earthly things. They're not heavenly things. They're not thinking about All they think about is all the things they've got, all the things they want, all the things that's going to bring them happiness, all of the things they've got laid up in a bank here on this world. That's your life. If that's your life, you're an enemy of the cross. Keep going. For our citizenship is a heaven from which we also eagerly wait. Man, we're looking forward to I love this life. I mean, I love, I love being with y'all. I love hunting and fishing and, and, and loving every day. And I love, you know, my kids and, and eating food and getting together. All the good things that God gives us is awesome. I love this life. Man, I'm looking forward to Jesus. Because the life, if we'll keep studying life you got there, is going to be what we have from God here on steroids, okay? From the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, get this, this is my greatest hope. If y'all ain't looking forward to Jesus, you must be under 30. Amen. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working body. If there's nothing else that makes you want to go to heaven, wait till you get to 50. When you get to 50, you don't jump out of bed in the morning. You're like, oh, oh, stretch, pray, beg. And you finally get, if somebody came along and said, I'll tell you what, I got something to make you feel 20 again. I'd be like, let's do that. You know what God's going to do? He's going to be like, I'm going to make you feel 20 again. I'm going to make you feel 20 again. I'm like, let's go, man. Let's get out of here. Amen. Some of you 20-year-olds will be preaching that here in about 30 years. All right? So here's the thing. Then the last one I want to give you is the pattern of hope of eternal life. The pattern of hope. So you got the pattern of entrance. you got the pattern of how we dwell here on this earth. And then you see the pattern all the way through the scripture of the hope of eternal life. The last point. In verse 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself also, notice where she got it from, she received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Sarah was 90 year old when she had Isaac, okay? Because she judged him faithful. She believed God. She believed in his faithfulness. Who had promised. Therefore, from one man, And him as good as dead, as far as Abraham being able to produce life, his body was dead. We're born as many of the stars of the sky. Notice the heavenly promise. That's the stars of the sky, talking about the the seed of Jesus. And the innumerable as the sand of the seashore, the earthly Israel. Okay, y'all with me? Y'all chew on that a little bit. So here's the thing. What was God talking about? The promise wasn't Isaac. A lot of people go, well, the promise, I, the promise was Jesus because it said Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob were also inheritance of the promise. If Isaac was the promise, the promise ended. The promise continued, and all of a sudden, God, the mystery becomes reality to Abraham. It's like, man, this goes beyond an earthly promise. Why? Because what's God teaching them? I'm the God of the living, not the dead. I'm the God who raises the dead to life. Remember what Jesus said? He said, he's not the God. He said, do you not remember that God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, they were long gone, earthly. He's like, he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive and well today in the kingdom of heaven. 
And so in that, they understood there's more to that. Now they understand the spiritual, see Jesus. And then here's, here's the best part of the whole message. Stay with me right here, verse 13. This thing kind of threw me for a flip. It said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them. Notice what it says. Having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Here today, child of God, if you're born again, that should describe you. You have seen the promise afar off. You are assured of that promise. You've embraced that promise and you confess that promise. When the Bible said, if thou wilt confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him dead, you will be saved. Confession is not, yeah, I walked in front of the church. Confession means I don't need this world anymore. I don't need religion. I've got a Savior, and I'm assured and confident I've embraced the cross of Jesus Christ. And so in that, what did they see? I asked my wife, I said, what do you think they saw? Because it said, having seen it afar off. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, they seen something. And then God gives the answer if I just kept reading. It says in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So why did God give Abraham who was dead and Sarah who was dead a child to show them he could raise them from the dead to life, concluding, verse 19, he was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Let me give you this story real quick, and I'll get you out of here. So what was this test that Abraham had, and God used that test to show him what was going to happen afar off, insomuch that Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they embraced the promises, and they followed after him. You remember the story? I can't even tell you what's it. If it's in Genesis, I think it's chapter 22 of Genesis. Isaac was born. He was probably about 12, 13 at this point in time. And uh, God told Abraham, he said, I want you to go to Mount Moriah. And I want you to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice to me. Now you remember, God promised through Isaac that all all these children, innumerable country, nation of Israel would come through Isaac. And now God's saying, kill him. I want you to take him and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. Abraham's like, God, to get this as faith. God can't lie. God always keeps his promise. And that's what it's saying. Abraham's like, well, I guess God's going to raise him from the dead. So Abraham takes the wood and the fire. Him and they come to the, to the mountain of Mount Moriah. I got to go ahead and tell you this, which is Mount Calvary. Same exact place. Get this picture. 2,000 years before Jesus, they saw Jesus. So he takes the wood and the fire, and him and Isaac, and he, yeah, this is a whole different message. I get, I, I'm not going to preach a whole different message. Isaac takes the wood, picture of the cross, and he's carrying up the hill. And he said, hey, Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the lamb? You know, Abraham's, Abraham's response was, son, God will provide for himself a lamb. They go up on top. Abraham builds the altar, straps Isaac down. Isaac said a point. He's like, whoa, I don't, I don't get this. Straps him down, but he doesn't fight his dad. He believes the same God that Abraham believes, dads. Straps him down. Abraham takes the knife, raises it to kill his boy. And God said, hold up, Abraham. And if you keep looking in the story, it said Abraham heard something, looked over in the thorns, the crown. And he saw a ram caught by the thorns. 
Thorns represents our sin that binds. Takes the ram and he offers it up in the Bible. Says, I love the King James, in his stead, in Isaac's place. Isaac, who was going to be slain, the only begotten son of Abraham, God offers up his only begotten son in the place of Abraham's only begotten son. Abraham sees eternal life. He sees what God's plan is. 2,000 years later, behold the Lamb of God. Jesus carries our cross up the mountain, the same exact place. You know what all that fighting in Israel is? It's the temple dome. It's the place where Abraham offered up Isaac. It's the place where God offered up Jesus in our place. And here's the entrance. This is the, the entrance to heaven takes place. Right there is the pattern. And Jesus said, I've just opened a door right here on this same mountain. Abraham offered up his son. God offered up his son. And the door of the kingdom opens up. And Jesus like, whosoever. If you want to come into the kingdom, he gives you an invitation today through repentance. Forsake this world, forsake your sin, and embrace by faith the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for your sin, was buried and rose again, and God will write your name in the registry to this morning. What's today's date? The 28th. Wouldn't that be amazing for you to die? Say, that's not amazing. Oh, it would be. You have no idea. It would be amazing for you to die. I don't know if there's going to be a line. Maybe you stay in line. You get up there and go, oh, yeah, 20 years ago. I'll give you 20. 20 years ago on January the 28th, Jesus wrote your name in his book of life. Welcome home. Welcome home. That can happen today. You can receive the earthly blessing and the heavenly promise. But if you're here today and you're a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, my question is, are you assured? You have that assurance. You realize Abraham had his assurance because of what he's seen. We've seen. We've, we look back to the cross. We have that same assurance. It's called an empty tomb. Jesus left it there to go. Be assured. I defeated death. I raised to life, and I'll raise you up. I'm going to raise you up. That should cause us to go, you know what? I'm going to kind of change up some things I'm invested in here, and I'm going to start laying me up some treasure there. I'm going to start investing in my heavenly home. I'm a, I have a great hope in me. I turn on the news, and I see Texas being invaded. And I see the filth and the corruption of our government. And I see Israel in war. And all the countries that are surrounding Jerusalem. As it says in the book of Revelation and Ezekiel. And I see Babylon, Iran, and Iraq heavily involved in what we've got going on now. And I smile and go, Jesus coming back quick, people. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to tell you, I'm standing in that line going, let's move this line forward. Because I know the one who saved me. And I'm looking forward to stepping into my home. Amen. <clears throat> So y'all stand with your head bowed. Let's have a word of prayer and y'all respond however you want to. I just want to say this again. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to come up here. This isn't holy ground. The Lord's meeting you. If he's calling you right where you are, he'll save you right where you are. If you want to come up and pray, be glad to pray with you. My wife, if you're a lady, Miss Tanya, be glad to pray with you. Willie, pray with you. Whatever you need, don't leave without being your name written in that book. Father in heaven, I just bow before you this morning. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you, God, for their hunger and their eagerness to hear your word. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you that you died for us, Lord, so we can have a great hope, Lord. Even though we might be looking at hell on earth, Lord, we have a home in heaven. We have a promise that goes beyond this world. doesn't matter what this world brings to us, God. We might be poor as dirt, but, Lord, we're so rich in grace. Lord, I just praise your people. This will revive our hearts and give us a new hope and a new purpose in life. Lord, there's so many people 
who are walking the broad way. You've called us to tell them the good news. God, help us to, to, to bring that hope to them. God, I just thank you that you'll save anybody. You'll save anybody. And for somebody here today who's never been born again, God, I pray right where they're at right now that they call on you and receive the gift of grace and the strength, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.